curious minds. And here is your host, Gary Cacciolio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, Binaural Production Engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, Monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And monthly co-host Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you are interested in contributing to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, well, actually, if you guys hear hammers banging in the background, it's because my neighbor is putting on a new roof and it's completely out of my control. I've tried to get them to stop but they threw their hammers at me. Anyway, now without further ado, our guest for today is Karen Keister, and she has a book and a deck of cards on the path of the sacred masculine. Thank you for coming on, Karen. Thank you. Thanks for asking me. So what inspired you to do this? I mean, I've seen there's so much out there on the sacred feminine, (laughs) but there is zero on sacred masculine except for your book and deck of cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I have what I term um, a couple of mystical experiences where this being came to me and it turned out to be um, Joseph. And I call him Joseph, the earthly father of the Christ, you know, the Joseph and Mary Joseph. And he just conveyed this information to me. Um, and I, I agreed to um, take it on and bring it forward. And like you say, uh, there's a lot on the sacred feminine which I appreciate, and I'm glad that that's been brought up. But you know, let's let's honor the masculine too, because especially, and it's still very current, is you know the patriarchy is out there, and people view the patriarchy as the masculine, and I don't think that's a good representation of the masculine. The masculine is honorable, and the warriors, and the noblemen, and those things. And let let's talk about that too. Bringing the balance, although I think the feminine needs to be brought in, but in tune, to really be in balance, we need to have the masculine. We don't want the feminine to come in and be overpowering as the patriarchy has been, but let's have, um, you know, let's find that balance. Let's find that balance and and honor the masculine, because I think the masculine has really been bashed by the patriarchy and some of the perceptions of the masculine. And that's not my experience, especially from the men in my family and the men in my life. So, yeah. So what is masculine? Because honestly, like, like, you know, for feminism, feminine, there's a clear definition of like motherhood, nurture, things like that. I think in the masculine, it's a lot trickier to define. So how do you define masculine? And what are the differences between masculine and feminine? Well, you know, the key things to me is the warrior. I ascribe the warrior to masculinity. And again, a woman can have warrior, um, you know, warrior energy. And I think that's where the balance comes in. To me, I kind of best describe them as an energy and kind of an archetype. Um, and um, also, um, you know, the, the protector um, 
you know, the father, the grandfather, the brother, roles that really fall into a masculinity, but um, kind of the opposite of feminine. Hmm. So, so masculine, you, you sense things like, like, you know, the warrior type of role, protector, father. Um, does that, like, like when I hear those type of things, you know, op opposite of feminine, to me that sounds like a man in some ways is supposed to be cold, unemotional, and ready to kick ass all the time. But that's not really what men are. No, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. And to me, that's the point is, you know, finding balance and knowing that we all have masculine and feminine within us. And how do I identify and what's the strengths within us? And of course, um, you know, strengths a lot with men because men tend to, but not always have a larger body and more upper body strength and can do those physically stronger things. But yeah, one of the things that um, came through with Joseph and a phrase that he used is he talked about the sweet boys. And I think that, you know, the men I know in my life have just this really sweetness within them that is, is strong and loving and nurturing and not weak, but it's been so suppressed where, you know, men and boys aren't supposed to cry. But I, you know, a lot of those things I think have nothing to do with gender. Um, that's why I kind of describe it more in an energy and that each person needs to find that balance within themselves and, you know, and choose their identification. I mean, that's where I, I really appreciate and think it's very timely um, with the transgender and the non-binary is people are saying you put us into this duality and we're not a duality. We're not a binary. We're not this or this. We have our individual blends that make make us uniquely individual. And what does that look like for you? And that a man can be extremely nurturing and supportive. And a woman can, you know, boy, if someone threatens my cheer, you know, children, I know my warrior, you know, and that warrior comes out. So it's kind of a, things have kind of gotten ascribed to masculinity and femininity but, yeah, I, you know, it's really complicated. It's really hard to just truly get a definition. Hmm. One of the things, and I don't know if you would agree, but I'd like your opinion on this, that the role of a woman, the nurturing motherhood, maternal type of figure, fem, as the feminine, never changes throughout a woman's life because they're able to maintain that. A man, on the other hand, as we get older, our ability to be strong, our ability to fight, our ability, a lot of our physical abilities decrease over time. So we kind of lose touch with that part of it. We can't no longer fulfill that role. So therefore, it's like we have to transition to another role. And I think that a lot of times, like, like, like when men need to talk about the man going through the midlife crisis, I think part of that is also like the, this change of in going into another role but we don't know what that role is supposed to be. That That's beautiful and that's excellent. And I think the role that we kind of lost in our time is elders. We move into elderhood where that's our role. Our role is to be the person of wisdom and experience. And again, for women, we've gone into menopause and we're no longer able to get pregnant in some ways. Thank you so much. 
you know, we move away from that, you know, our bodies no longer flow. We no longer have these cycles like we used to, but I think, you know, elderhood and I, and we don't really have that so much in our time and culture where other times and cultures really had that. So we move into the person of wisdom and experience and solidness um, and we're there and we're there. And so I'd really like to see that, but boy, I mean, that you're really right. I think the the transition for women is more subtle, but I can see where it's really huge for men is just, and I, you know, I can see that in my dad is, he grew older and stuff um, that he was even told that there was someone that was out messing with his truck and he walked outside and he said, you know, get, you know, leave my truck alone, go away. And they just said, Oh, go in the house, old man, before we hurt you. And it was devastating. It was devastating, but he also knew too, he didn't have that strength. But again, there, there wasn't that respect, you know, for someone else, for someone else, but yeah. And I think, we, you know, the guidance is really needed. People are really searching, you know, for someone to be uh, a resource for them. It, it is a tough position. I, I did an episode not too long ago on, on the sacred feminine. And, um, and I've been, you know, going through, I got divorced. I've been single and I've been dating. And, and I told this guest about it. And her response was, well, you're not a real man. And I'm like, well, well I can't rush it. I'm not, I'm not going to go out and slay people to score a woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm yeah. too old for that. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. That was just a really, really yeah, cool she, remark. She was wrong. You know, it, yeah. But, but, I, you know, but I find that kind of sometimes, though. You know, oh, yeah. No, no. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And that's where, again, you know, where the transgender and the binaries, I think, you know, they're bringing something really for us to look at is, you know, we need to find that individually for themselves and, you know, um, and really being cautious with labels, you know, labels cause a lot of problems, you know, so you say something's masculine, but again, what does that mean? What's that definition? What does that hold true for a person rather than who are you as a person and what are the labels you're choosing to put on yourself or hopefully not many, mm -hmm. You know, a, a, a label can be helpful in certain situations, but it's also can be highly limiting rather than, you know, who is this person? What do they like? What do they bring? And these other things to me are, you know, down the not even secondary. They're, they're further down the line. But, you know, just our uniqueness and our individuality. And what do we bring in this incarnation? Interesting. And that's one of the things like, well, that's going through your deck, you know. You have some of the typical male stuff, the, the father, son, right. craftsman, stuff like that. But then you have other things that you wouldn't really sell, you noblemen. But you have things like um, the mirror. Like, people don't think that men are going to be reflected. But I know. We do. Yeah. So, yeah. So what I mean, made that... you add some, some of these, you know, like, what made you put something like a mirror in a deck that's about masculinity you know and and honestly that's why i call it a mystical experience is i you know joseph came to me and he wanted to talk to me and he literally appeared and that just really freaked me out and so i just said you know you want to talk to me that's fine but don't appear to me anymore 
And so we made this agreement and I literally for a number of days, I would just get very quiet and I would get in a meditative state and this information was given to me, you know, and it actually, you know, comes out to a matrix form. But um, yeah, here were these images and, you know, um, I, and that's why I think kind of it shows the masculinities. It's very structured. It actually grids out. And then there were just these things that were given to me and how their connection was. And then after that, you know, with writing the book is I would just um, have this in, and, you know, ask that question. So what does the mirror mean? What can it, what are the questions it can bring? And that's why I also term it a contemplation deck because in the book, it came through with a little bit of description, but questions for somebody to ask themselves, you know, something for them to reflect on. And what are the questions it brings to you? Um, one things I state in the introduction of the book is this is just to get you thinking. I don't, you know, I'm not the expert. This isn't the final answer, but something to just get you to consider and contemplate and see where things take you. Hmm. So with the conversation, you know, your conversations with Joseph, um, was there anything, I mean, First of all, like, what do you think his purpose is to start communicating this knowledge to you at this specific time? Um, I, I think, you know, just that the masculine, masculinity has not been truly represented. And, you know, it's been ascribed to the patriarchy. And to me, the patriarchy is an ent entity in and of itself, which I believe is slowly fading away. It's gasping its last breaths. Um, and it's a distortion. And so to honor men, because he was this very strong man, he fathered, you know, he was the early father of this Christ child, this amazing being, which I believe we all have in us. I believe we all have this Christ consciousness within us. And just um, the role that's so important and the role that can be played by the masculine, but really honoring it. What what do men bring and, and the important you know, it's again about balance is not, um, you know, feminines coming up, but, you know, what's the balance with the masculine? How do we find that? And just seeing men in a really positive light and honoring them and honoring what they bring and honoring what individuals bring. Interesting. Also, you know, just as, as you're talking, I was thinking, you know, about Joseph and Mary and Jesus and there's a, you know, there's the Hail Mary for Mary, but there's no Hail mm -hmm. Joseph. No, no. And he really got suppressed. And I feel that that's really, really unfair because this, and I think that's why too, he, that he embodies what's been happened to masculinity. There's, they're there, but it's like, oh, well, we're not going to give you, we're not going to put you in the spotlight. We're not going to talk about who you are. But I mean, how, how. And, you know, I do know his story, and perhaps I'll write that at some point in time. But, you know, this was this really amazing, unique child and, you know, shepherding this child and being there for him um, and grooming and knowing his potential future um, and giving him wisdom and holding him back and just, you know, being a father, really being a father. But it really is too bad. And from what Joseph has shared with me, um, also he and Mary, you know, they had a wonderful relationship. They truly were in love. Joseph is also often pictured and told about as this very, very old man 
that married Mary. So she was married and she was not this single woman, but I believe he was slightly older, but that they had a very vibrant, wonderful marriage and relationship and partnership. And that that balance was needed for Christ to become Jesus, for, to become who he was. And I think that's also really important for us and is often really lacking is there's a lot of single moms and it's just, you know, that, that both a father and a mother figure are needed. It, you know, it can be their biological father who's actually involved with their life, or it can be a male friend or it can be an uncle or whoever, but how we both need these really <clears throat> nurturing, helpful human, you know, male and female energies and aspects in our life that helps us become a complete and whole person. Because I know I've, I've been involved with some men and they just did not have a good relationship with their father. And that just really makes a gap, you know, just the same way if you don't have a good relationship with your mother, you know, not, it doesn't have to be perfect, but that person is there and present and they have their influence and you come to an understanding with them. Hmm. It's interesting too, that religions would recognize um, Mary more than Joseph, yet the religions itself is male dominated. <laughs> yes, that's so intriguing. To me, what comes to me when I think about that and talk about it is, you know, they just, they wanted really the spotlight to be on Jesus. Um, and so that's why they had to diminish Joseph. And since he was a human form, he clearly had a mother. And so this is who the mother is. But you're right. I mean, I was raised Catholic. And that's one of the things I appreciate about Catholicism is Mary's very present and there's saints and there's, you know, there's men and women saints. But yeah, when you get into other forms of Christianity, yeah, it's so strongly masculine. You know, the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. You know, there's this trinity. Although it was interesting for me as a child, um, to me, the Holy Ghost didn't have gender. And the Holy Ghost was who I related to. It was um, an energy. It was a presence. It was a wisdom. It was a knowledge. And it didn't have gender. Mm -hmm. And so that was my comfort is like, okay, I'll go with this. It goes beyond, you know, I didn't have the words at that point in time, but going beyond this third dimensionality and into this more spiritual realm where I don't believe and think there is gender because it doesn't matter anymore. Gender is part of being in a human body on this earth in this third plane, you know, and generally in terms of reproduction. So, so do you think that one of the things that, that, that Joseph is trying to make aware, make us aware of is that, um, you know, we can be more flexible oh. with our roles in society and be more adaptive to be, go where we're needed rather than trying to force ourselves into a hole where we don't fit? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's been really key. And that was a big part of my my child, because I'm in my early 70s. And it was kind of like define these roles and, you know, fit in here and fit in there rather than, oh, who are you? How do you express that? What do you bring to the world? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You know, that, um, you know, to just... It's fine for men to be emotional. It's fine for men to be crying. It's just, it's an expression. Um, 
But yeah, who are you and who you bring to the world? And there, you know, I know there's a number of Native American cultures. And, you know, at least in the past, that's what they did. It's just um, if, if um, you know, someone in a masculine termed body was more comfortable doing the quote, quote, women's work, it was fine. They were allowed to do that. If a woman wanted to go with the warriors and the woman wanted to hunt, she was welcome. It was not, it was just, okay, join us. No big deal. You know, there were kind of the traditional roles, but it wasn't dictated. If, you know, the, with the shamans too, you know, the child was allowed to become who they were and ha- find their place in the tribe and in the village. And it was honored. Hmm. Where do you think that got lost? Oh, man. You know, just the white supremacy, you know, just this this domination that needed to come in and needed to have things really, really defined. And, and it's really sad. It's really sad that it got lost rather than who are you and, you know, what do you bring to the world and, you know, allowing people to find their place and where they fit in. You know, just like there's been some suppression and now the stories are coming out that, uh, you know, these women who know mathematics and were part of the space programs. But it's like, oh, my gosh, they were just shoved in the corner rather than, hey, wow, you're the person that can solve this. And, you know, oh, by the way, you happen to be this, this and this. But, you know, for us to move along away from that, it's like, okay, you're the person that brings us forward. That's all we need. The rest is just information you want to share or not share. Um, and, and I think that I, you know, I see that with parents, some parents now that there is that, you know, because I have some younger friends and, um, their children are coming out non-binary. They don't want to be into a really restricted role. I mean, it's getting crazy with the pronouns, but I totally get what's going on. And our language does not have a gender neutral, um, a general neutral uh, pronouns, you know, and so and, and I so I'm just really hopeful. I'm just really inspired by the people that you know. I'm going to express myself this way, and I'm not going to fall into these little boxes. And you know, I want to address and seeing them also morph and change. That it's like okay, they're feeling this way for a while, and it's like, well, no, now I'm going to shift because that no longer fits me. So this fluidness, and I, I think it's really really healthy. I mean, really really makes some people uncomfortable, but I, I really appreciate it. You mentioned a couple of times about, you know, the, uh, you know, moving up in dimensions and the vibrations and stuff like that, the process of extension, which I talked about quite a bit on this show. And do um, you think that the higher a person's vibration goes, the less need there is for that gender identity? Absolutely. Because we go, we go into spiritual form. And again, energy is kind of my favorite word. It's a vibration. It's an energy. And those things kind of fall away, you know, because I believe, you know, it's stronger when you're in the third dimension, which is this plane and being in these physical bodies and being on this earth plane. But yeah, there's definitely dimensions above and beyond. And yeah, I, I totally, I totally sense that, that those things no longer matter. It's about intelligence and love and compassion. And things that just kind of move beyond any kind of dense definition. Do you think like making a deck called the Sacred Masculine, um, 
you know, because, you know, there's all the sacred feminine stuff out there, there, and then you come out with the sacred masculine. But at the same time, like, we're talking to you and listening to you talk. In a lot of ways, what you're talking about more is like the sacred human or the sacred consciousness. Right. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I termed it masculine because there's such a deficit in that. It's just like, you know, I, you know, again, balance, just, the, you know, the key word I keep coming back to is balance. But, you know, to have that balance, you, you know, all these things need to be available so that you can consider them and they can be in your, you know, your consciousness, your realm. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Um, is there, so, so let's talk about like sacred to begin with. Like what is sacred? Like what does sacred mean? Does it mean you know oneness with the divine or um, nature, all those things? And how is it that there is a sacred masculine and sacred feminine? Is that coming from this idea that there's a singularity that's split into these two separate aspects? Yeah, yeah. No, as you said, I think that's really true. And and you know. There's kind of, there's this spiral, and I think there's even a, a school of thought with spiral, and that's often what I envision, that there is this oneness, and then it comes into this duality, which can be masculine and feminine and other names. And then it goes into trinities that can be the main mother and crone or the father, son and stuff. And then it goes into four and five and six. And so, yeah, I think it's just, it's part of coming up the spiral. Spiral dynamics, yeah. I had a friend that was, well, I don't know much about it stuff but um yeah and i and, and to me it just has frequencies and dimensionalities and there's just kind of more information that comes in i think the key is to not they all have their intelligence and their gifts um and their wisdoms but to not get stuck in any one place and i think we've really gotten stuck into duality and polarities i mean just it's rampant in our country right now it's just mm -hmm. We're getting so stuck because there's Republicans and the Democrats rather than, oh, we're Americans and what's the best solution for this situation? But they're, you know, they're so locked in right now as like, oh, you know, no, we're best, we're best, you're not, we're not. And so the the limitations of um, dualities and polarities is just so rampant. I mean, they have their place. I mean, they're magnetic you know, and their, their features in nature, but not getting stuck on this one plane. What's above and what's below? What's beyond that? Hmm. So what do you think are, are some of the things that are missing in, um, in sacred masculinity? Like, like in a man's experience, the things that were limited to express like, what are the things that you think are missing that are included in your deck and in your book? Oh, that, yeah. That's not usually expressed in under the term masculinity. Hmm. That is just a really great question. I think, you know, what just pops in my mind is, you know, being of service. Um, that, you know, just that, yeah, it's, it's hard to articulate, but, that, but that's what comes forward to me, is being of service 
and the best way that you can in a given circumstance. Do you think that it, um, like with the feminist movement, do you think it's wrong for them to um, belittle men? Absolutely. Nothing is gained by that. And to me, that just speaks to a deep wound that you were wounded by someone you labeled as masculine rather than removing that label and realizing, okay, <clears throat> this person was clearly, you know, had had some trauma or some wounding and they're taking out on me. And so that retaliation, revenge, that, that doesn't get us anywhere. That keeps us stuck rather than coming from a, lay, um, a place of love and compassion um, and drawing boundaries, you know, not, not accepting it, but, you know, holding a boundary is like <clears throat> what happened was not okay. But, but that to me, when women get in that place, um, it's, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not a high frequency. It's not moving us forward. It's staying kind of in a retaliation and, and hurt and vengefulness. And, and I understand that, but, you know, healing that, healing that. Do you, do you think that's just a, a repercussion or a swing on the pendulum, pendulum because women were, were so repressed for such a long time. Yeah, I think in a certain circumstance, absolutely. And again, that retaliation and not realizing that, you know, it's human and then there's an understandableness to us. But again, it's, it's, we don't gain by being there. You know, it's just, you may feel that, you know, but for me, then stepping backwards, you know, and going, okay, what's going on? Why am I feeling that way? What's going on? Is there something in me I need to look at most likely? Is there a conversation I need to perhaps um, have or some views I need to express? But yeah, yeah, just and the anger. And, you know, I understand the anger. The anger is certainly there. But how can it best be expressed in a healing way that can move us all forward? rather than this tit for tat because nothing's gained there. Do you think it prevents true union between men and women? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you're you're not in a place of openness and you know, union union and connection has to be really in an openness, a vulnerability, uh willing to be seen, a willing to a willingness to see the person that's there. Um, to accept them to the best of your ability. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a block. It's definitely an implement in, uh, what's the word I want? Yeah. Something in the way. Absolutely. Um, well, how about with the, the transgender, like you, you've mentioned, you know, the nine binary, a little bit about transgenderism. Um, right. Where does, like non-binary, obviously non-binary is just a very neutral place to be. But right. in transgenderism, there's, you know, you know, one side moving all the way over to the other and back and forth. Um, what do you think it is? I, like, I don't know. Like one, I don't know if that was prevalent prior to our current mm -hmm. society and what role it played then versus how it got squashed and then now it's coming back. I think I think it's always been there. And again, like 
cultures and some of the tribal cultures is they would let a person be and and it's been spoken of i think out of native american too where they talk that there's your body and your spirit and for most of us you know the identification of our body and spirit are aligned but with some people they're not that they just feel they're in the wrong body and just recently gosh there was a really good posting on facebook where someone explained that gender is not as black and white as it seems and so i think i think it's always been there i think it was very very repressed because people just didn't want to go there or people were able to be in their family or community and was accepted you know or they masked it and so it was a big secret um but i think just because of social media and all those sorts of things it's become much more prevalent and much talked about but that's my understanding of it with people i've talked to is they feel they're in the wrong body they honestly feel that do you, do you think that's the case that they really are in the wrong body or do you think it's just that they're not able to express themselves the way they feel like they need to yeah i know that's a tough one that's a tough one because i think potentially i mean if yeah, because to me, it's huge to just go through all those <clears throat> surgeries. But, you know, that speaks to me how just strong it is within them. But I also wonder if we were in a more accepting culture and time that said, you be you. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you be you and express it the way you want to, that there wouldn't be that need and the desire for it. But, you know, yet again, it might be because I know people would just say like, you know, if they're in a masculine body, they feel more feminine. They just, they're unhappy with their genitalia. You know, they don't like that they have a penis or if they're in a feminine body and they feel masculine, they look down and they see these breasts and they're just really bothered by it. I know a number of them when they call it, when they have top surgery, they just, they feel more themselves. So it's a tough call. And again, I think it's a spectrum. And I think that's what we're finding in so many things that um, they're spectrums, you know, very few things are black and white. There's a lot of shades of gray. And again, it has to be their individual call. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do wonder, I do wonder. And then the prevalence of it, how many people are pulled into it is like, oh, well, maybe I should be you know, do I feel that way? You know, that it's kind of external questioning rather than internally what I know about myself that this fills off. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I think about is, like, we didn't always have the ability to change gender, you know. No. So, so we had to just fill whatever role we were, were felt like we were supposed to fill. Right. Um and I wonder if it's almost like modern commercialism selling these ideas. Yeah, and you're absolutely right because, you know, now they can do these transitions because they can start hormone therapy and they do have the surgeries and that, um, you know, and in the past, you know, a person adapted, a person adapted either they Uh, dressed in the other gender so that they got identified that way and they just went through life that way or they just coped somewhere or unfortunately you know probably even suicide rates you know that they just felt um so unaligned that they they just couldn't handle being here anymore so and that also makes me think like you know 
if, if that is the case, then that would mean the universe is making a mistake. Does right. the universe make mistakes? I don't think so. Um, to me, what comes to, you know, what comes to mind with that is just, you know, humans have put on this rigidity of these definitions and these boxes and that we need to move away from that. Again, who is this person? You be you, you be who you are. And just um, the diversity that actually exists out there, you know, just, you know, nature is just amazing and just the diversity the diversity of animals diversity of plants um even as restricted as we want to be but i also think about you know all the languages that are out there Mm -hmm. you know we've chosen um to communicate in these different ways and you know there's what hundreds if not thousands of languages out there but you know we you know english is the god and we always want to push something up there rather than being with the diversity. And I think, um, yeah, diversity is huge. There was a great book I read years ago, Wisdom of the Crowd. And one of the things he talked about is how we make best solutions is by having a really diverse crowd help create the answer because there's all these perspectives. You know, the more perspectives you have, the more you can come up with a really solution that's very, very broad rather than, um, and they had the, one story in the book, and it was really interesting about, I think it was like, I think it was a game show called, So You Want to Be a Millionaire. And the person could call an expert. And when they called the expert, the expert was right like 65% of the time. So, you know, just just above mid-range. And what what is that in, you know, this grading system? You know, that's like a D or something like that. Um, <laughs> You know, but when they talk to the crowd and I think the crowd needed to be like over a hundred, but when, and that would be the audience. But when they went to the audience, the audience was right. Ninety some percent of the time, because you had so many opinions coming in, so many perspectives coming in. So, you know, just broaden that view. So that says a lot too that. Um, we need each other more than we think. Yes, absolutely. Because there's something I'm going to think about that you haven't thought about, or I have an experience that you haven't had. Yeah, and, and that's in collaboration. And that's, we're, we're missing that so much in our government right now because we're in this duality, we're in this polarity, we're just fighting each other rather than letting that go and like, what's, What's the best solution for now? What's really needed? How can we be of service instead of my special, you know, my, instead of looking for my best interests is how can I be of service? What's going to serve the community? What's going to, you know, serve our planet? And just really stepping back from that egoic, I want to be right and I want it my way. Then that of service is like, you know, let, let's find a really, let's find a, a solution that, you know, is beneficial. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there is a, a huge lack of, of collaboration in our society. Oh, that gosh, jeez. For sure. And, and, and it is because we put ourselves into all these different little boxes and we yeah. have to feel like we have to stay in them. Um, you know, I don't know, it, it's... 
It's almost like, like to me, it seems like it's gotten worse as I've gotten older. <laughs> the society part of it, you know, compared to like the way it was in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And I thought it would move forward, not backwards. I know. That's frustrating to me, too, is like, um, what is it on Netflix? And there's a, let's see, oh, the West Wing, you know, and it was how many years ago? And you say, we're still doing the same flipping thing. Are you kidding me? We haven't moved forward. And we just, you know, the things we know about climate change and the, yeah, just how to get to the truth and what is the truth. Um, you know, it's just so battled and so masked and um, so much misinformation and people just, you know, aren't even aware of that, don't know how to really question or do their own research or find, you know, find answers, just accepting what's dictated to them. But yeah, it really is frustrating to me. It's just like um, the things that still keep happening. It's like we haven't learned this lesson. We're not moving forward. You know, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, really, 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 you know, but but yet there's a part of me that's hopeful when I look at, you know, some of these young kids and who they're being and their diversity they bring, the diversity they embrace and um, the solutions they can come up really quickly because, you know, they've, they've been raised in an entirely different environment than I have. And so, you know, just this openness that some of them have, but yeah. It is sometimes it's hard not to be really, really disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you think that, or, or actually, like, like Joseph himself, um, obviously, the goal of all this is to restore some type of balance, some type of organ, you know, collaboration between these extremes extreme male female extreme right extreme left you know all this stuff you know all, it all falls into the same thing we we, and we're, we want to get back towards this middle ground where we can all work together um and and that plays out in so many places because it plays out in an individual in their ego their psychology it plays out in their relationships with their partners it plays out in their, their um, role in society and all the way on up to where it affects everything globally. Yeah, I know. It's just, you know, what, what, what's the shift we need? Where's the hundreds monkey? Where's the, where's the tipping point? You know, yeah. Where is it? When's it going to come? Do you think Joseph or like was that what you've been experiencing with these conversations is part of, you know, bringing about that type of change? Um, yeah, I th- I, you know, I, I, I think he is, you know, and also kind of he was the man behind the scenes and he was OK with that. But there's still things that need to be known. Things that need to be known. Hmm. Like and, what, you ty- know, what type of things do you think need to be known? like what is it? about Joseph that we don't know? Um, Well, you know, he was an amazing man. He was a person that didn't need to be front and center. You know, he didn't have the big ego and stuff, but he was very knowledgeable. Um, He uh, he traveled. He had world experience. Um, He was an, an elder, but he was a person that wanted to be behind the scenes. He was a presence and he was there and he was supportive. Um, and also, you know, he worked with his hands. So he loved that, you know, the, 
the carpentry, the creating things, the making things, the being of service, the helping out, and just, you know, um, an example for all of us to do that in whatever way we can. Um, and, you know, some of us are activists, some of us are not. Some, it's just um, that that quiet phrase, you know, like for me, um, when I go into stores and do things, you know, I, I read the people's name badge and I call them by name and I thank them and just try and, you know, try and be a, a, a um, you know, a polite, pleasant customer, you know, instead of demanding. So just, you know, being, being a presence, a positive, kind, compassionate presence. I wonder like why, I mean, you say he, he, he wanted to sort of be out of the spotlight, but yet, too, it seems like he was, like, when I look at the scriptures and stuff like that, it seems like to me, like, John the Baptist was more of an influence on Jesus than his own father. Right. Um... Well, because, you know, John the Baptist, they literally went out and did things where, you know, Joseph was the anchor. Joseph was home. Joseph was always there for him. Although I must say in the stories he shared with me that um, it really, really was hard for Joseph knew his destiny, that he was the Christ. He knew most likely he was going to be murdered. Um and um, you know, it was really hard for him when Christ chose to go have the public life because he knew that was the start of the end. And here was this child that he loved and nurtured and raised, and he knew this destiny was coming. And you know, it was it was devastating for him. It was devastating for him. And that was his humanness. That was his father's love. That you know was like, oh, all I've taught and you know helped keep you safe and you know now you're just stepping right out into the fire but of course you know Jesus's you know his response was but you know this is who I am and you know this is my destiny and this is what I'm called to do but yeah that that was really a hard one so what is Joseph's role now in the afterlife um just you know he's just always he's just a solid presence he's just this anchor in the solid presence is he still hanging out with Mary? Yeah, 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 yeah. They love each other. They just had a, a deep, beautiful, amazing relationship. So, yeah, really, which it's too bad. It's too bad that's not spoken of because I think that really is a wonderful example for people. And, you know, they're human and they had their, their quarrels and their tribulations. But again, they had the commitment to each other and they had the commitment to work out whatever came up. You know, to not throw in the towel and just say, I'm out of here, I'm done. It's like, okay, what do we need to do about this? Who needs to give and take? Or, you know, even space sometimes. Okay, we both, let's just go away, get clear on this, give ourselves some time before we come back together. But it was that, just that deep commitment. In for the long haul. Um, do, do, do you think that these still have service to God? I don't know that I'd use the word service. It's just, you know, there's a knowing, there's a presence, there's a connection to God. And, you know, 
And, you know, and then to me, you know, that manifests in being loving, kind, compassionate, um, and, and clear boundaries, but yet not taken advantage of. How do you think he felt about having to play the role of the father of the Messiah who was going to be crucified? Um, it was a deep challenge for him, just the same way it was Mary to know she was birthing this child that, um, but it was just, he, he accepted it. It, it was, he knew it was his calling. He knew it was his destiny, but you know, there was also deep heartbreak in it. Deep heartbreak, you know, just knowing that this child that you nurture and love is, and even their, their goodness and they're really trying to convey this all things. These people are not going to understand it. And these people are going to persecute him, but they just, you know, knew it was needed and it was a destiny for that time. So like, if I put myself in, in, in Joseph's position, okay, and I know that, that, that I'm going to be the father of the son of God and his son of mine is going to be favored by God and take the, you know, sit at the right hand seat of God. And yet, here I am, I'm nothing. God just, God's just using me as a tool. Yeah, I would be maybe a little angry and feel used at least. Um, actually, you know, my sense of him is he was okay with it. It was just, it was a role that was needed, and it was his choice to accept it or not, and he and he chose to accept it. And I also think the thing too that gets lost too is. Um, we are all children of God. So we're all raising, you know, we, we are children of God. Our children are children of God. Um, and we all have these capabilities. I think that's one of the gifts of, of Jesus and the Christ consciousness is those capabilities are actually within us all. And just, I think, unfortunately, a lot of that information got lost is, you know, how do you connect with that spirit? How do you allow yourself to be guided? Um you know, feeling those knowings within, trusting the wisdom that we have in our bodies and this consciousness that you can connect to that that guides you. And so to me, it was more about being examples and just, you know, that we, we all have the capability of doing that. I believe that's what all these prophets are are showing, like Buddha and that is like, I, I do these things and you can too, you know, not that it's easy, but I believe we all have those capabilities. How do you think Joseph, or, or like, what does Joseph feel about what Paul did to his son's name, turning it into a religion? And, and in my opinion, I think what Paul did was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you ask me that question, when I check in about it, it's just frustration, frustration. But humanity, humans... Some humans are going to do those sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, you know, how things have been twisted and changes and what was it? Uh, I'm not remembering my history, but like the two 300s and they like rewrote the Bible and they dropped all these things of the Bible off and stuff. And it's just, you know, frustration because it's something that 
we as humans keep continuing to do as specific humans, you know, they want to co-opt things and make them their own and twist what doesn't feel right with them. Instead of saying, you know, person stopping and questioning is like, you know, why am I uncomfortable with this? You know, really getting those answers rather I'm uncomfortable with this. So I'm going to change it rather than I'm uncomfortable with this. I want to understand what that's about, you know, um, then you're losing an opportunity for insights and wisdom and clarity, you know, and just, you know, it's fear. It's fear. You know, there's so much fear. What is the, one of them? False, false evidence appearing real and just, you know, yeah, not having that strength or capability to pause and question and and seek answers, you know, seek a true a true answer. Did Joseph and Mary have any plans to return er, return to Earth and do it all over again? Oh. But there's always all this talk about a second When you ask me that question, it's just like, no. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> we'll stay over here. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's someone else's turn. You know, someone else is going to do that stuff. We'll, we'll sit over here and and, and do what we can and, you know, connect in and inspire. But it's like, no, nah, I don't want to go back down there. <laughs> That's just my impression. Yeah. Do you believe or do they believe that this is the most difficult dimension to exist in? Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Because there's just this density to it, you know. And and even though and and we're young, we're we're very young, we're young. Although we feel older and all that kind of stuff in the scope of things, we're we're still you know, uh, I don't know what are we teenagers maybe, <laughs> you know? or early twenties, maybe early twenties where you think you're invincible and you think you know it all, and so yeah, we haven't gotten we've certainly had hard lessons, but I clearly not enough hard lessons to you know bring in that 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 maturity. Um, we, we, we mentioned it. Do you, do you think that there are life on other planets going through the same type of things that are vibrating at higher and lower levels than us? Yeah. I mean, just even my intellect says, you know, it has to be true that, you know, People are beyond and more evolved and, and, you know, people, because that's evolution and that's things just starting over and, and, and working out. And, you know, the Carl Sagan, you know, if it's only us, that's an awful big waste of space. It's just incomprehensible to me that there's not other intelligence out there and, and other people, you know, going through their journeys or beings, I should say beings. So for you in your conversations with Joseph, what was the most, um, like what stuck out to you the most? Like what's the most profound piece of information that he provided you with that surprised you the most? Um, you know, I think um, the thing where he talked about where men have the sweet boys in their heart, and when men connect with the sweet boy in their heart, that will bring them into balance to know that men do have a sweetness and it's part of who they are. You know, and I just I see that in the men in my life. I I see that in my grandson. I see that in my son in laws. Um, yeah, and just so really connect. It was really interesting when I first started getting this information. I was talking to one of my girlfriends at the time, 
And she had also had an experience with some beings come to her. So I was very comfortable talking to her. I knew she would understand what I was talking about. I knew she wouldn't think I was crazy. And I shared that phrase with her. And, you know, then Joseph told me, you know, men need to, you know, hold and recognize and connect with the sweet boy in their hearts. And, um, and her response is like, men will not like that. Men will just not like that. And I said, you know, that's what he told me. I'm, it's really clear to me. And so it was really interesting. She called me a couple of days later and she was like going, she goes, oh my gosh, Karen, you were right. You were right. And I said, what? She goes about the sweet boys that she was out to lunch with a, a male friend. And she said, hey, I want to raise a, I want to run something by you. Can I just hit, you know, say this phrase to you and get your response? And she just said, you know, what do you feel about the sweet boy in your heart? And she said, the man just got quiet. He teared up. And he just said, somebody sees that, you know, that it really connected with him. And she was just so surprised. Mm. She was so surprised. So I think that's it. Yeah. That, you know. Especially for men, you know, that there's there's a sweetness, and that's part of who they are. That's part of who they are. Yeah, we definitely cut ourselves off from that experience as an innocent child. Yeah. Like, as we hit that teenage years, like that part to us basically dies, is gone. Yeah. And then we go into a world where we have to be ruthless yeah and, and completely discard that curious yeah. innocent child and it is yeah. a painful experience for be, for men especially to go through and then right. to later on admit that there's this inside of us you know i, I don't know uh, how many men are even capable of that i don't know if i'm capable of yeah, it is really tough. It is really tough. And, you know, I have some really sensitive men in my family and just, you know, being okay with their tears, you know, that it's okay. I know that um, after my mom passed and then talking to my dad, and of course it was, it was hard for him. She was the love of his life. He, <clears throat> it was really hard for, for him, for her to go first. And, you know, he was just, you know, would talk about her, but just was crying and crying and crying. And it actually had only been a few months. And he just said, you know, and then he was embarrassed by his tears um, and just saying, you know, even though we were, you know, telling me it's OK, Dad. Um, but, you know, it just and it was one of those nice moments where, you know, things just popped in my head. And I said, well, you know, Dad, you were told you you were definitely from the generation that you were told men and boys don't cry. And so you, you, you do have these tears to shed um, and it's okay. And you're expressing these things. And he got quiet for a moment and it was so sweet. He looked at me and he said, then I have years full of tears. And I said, yes, dad, you have years full of tears to shed. And this is the time for them to come out. And it was just beautiful. But we don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the way you Oh, well, I don't. I, well, and I get that too because, you know, you cry and you look ugly and your face looks off and your nose runs and all that kind of stuff. But being able to finally sense and know how cleansing it is and that the holding 
the whole thing is so damaging, it's so restrictive, but it is, it's hard. And it's even hard for me, you know, when I'm not alone, of course, when I'm when it's me, it's like, it's okay, who cares what I look like and that kind of stuff. But yeah, if I'm somewhere and I choke up and things are going on, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I looking like? And this and that kind of stuff. And my voice chokes and I can't speak. So I get it. I get it. But being okay with it. And for me, that I've learned is just taking that pause and giving you know, letting my body kind of adjust and align and work through that energy and, you know, to know, not try and speak until I really, my body really can speak. Um, and it, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And the pause is going on. And so part of my brain's going, oh, you know, you're quiet and you're doing this and talk and explain, but just <sighs> being okay with pausing being okay with silence. You know, and I think that's a real key right now. We just, I um, had done some courses in NLP, Neural Linguistic Programming. And one of the things that the, the facilitator, the teacher talked about, is like, you know, just like on the, the VCR or what are the DVDs now, you know, hit the pause button and learning to be okay with that and taking that time and not feeling rush to do something or express something, but just that silence, you know, that knowing and, and letting that wisdom speak to you, letting those, those voices or however you get that wisdom, you know, sometimes it's words, sometimes it's images, you know, it varies with this, but, you know, pause, take a pause. Well, I know as far as the crying thing goes, it's embarrassing for a guy. It's humiliating. And, yeah. and even if we do it alone, we still can't tell anybody how we feel. Yeah. That needs to change. That needs to change. Because we all need to cry. We all need to express, you know. And I know for me, um, it's really huge because I was raised to repress anger because it's not nice to be anger. But for me, kind of the tears overtake when my body just says, you can express this emotion. You can't hold it anymore. But yeah, how how can we shift that to honor what's going on? Honor, you know, see that this person clearly is, you know, something's clearly going on you know, tumultuous within them and, and holding the space for them to just be present and and let them experience what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's been labeled with all these things. So I guess that's part of the sacred masculine too is just, you know, expressiveness of, you know, honoring what you're feeling and that it's okay and that we make it okay and we make it for others and we hold space for them and, you know, we literally hold space for them if we can. And if we're uncomfortable, we honor that and address that. We don't project it on them. You know, if I'm uncomfortable, then, you know, walk away. I, you know, I clearly cannot be of service to this person now. But, you know, yeah, making it okay. Making it okay. So people don't explode. So people don't act out. Because they've dealt with things, you know, it's, it's 
as soon as they as soon as they can to when something's come up. Hmm. So, what is it that women really want from men? Uh, <laughs> I, I guess you know to really be heard. To you know, someone to to really you know, communication, you know, really really be heard. Um, and if it's not clear, to say you know, I don't get it. I don't get what you're trying to tell me. Um, or you know, and even you know, just some of that core communication stuff is like, this is what I think you're asking for, rather than trying to guess or think you know or that. It's just yeah. Well, it's hard to communicate sometimes because. Sometimes women will say no when they mean yes. Yeah. Well, and that's on her because she's not and, being and, honest. And I guess men do the same thing too. I yeah. We do it too. I can't really yeah. just say it as a woman thing because I know I've done it myself. I've said no. And really, I wanted to say yes. Yeah. Especially, yeah. When, it comes to, to well, especially when it comes to needing help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I have a streak of that, too. That's why in some way people go, you know, how could you write about the sacred masculine? It's like, well, you know, I, I do have a connection. Even though I am a woman, I'm in a woman's body. I'm, 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 I like being a woman. But, you know, I wind up wound up being primary wage earner in my, my first marriage. And so I was in the business world. And so, it, it, you know, there was a lot of masculinity I needed to bring in to be able to get by and succeed. It succeed in that environment. So a lot of things, yeah, I think are just, you know, again, trying to remove the labels as human. What is the human need? What's going on? Um, being honest, being comfortable, being honest, um, or at least saying, I'm not comfortable saying this, but, you know, the truth, you know, what is your truth? And, you know, um, I know that that has just caused me so much grief over my life is just if I haven't been true to myself and honest with myself and, and really expressed what's true for me. And that's true for both genders. I think, I think, I think so. It is hard for, if I'm truly honest, it's hard for me to um, express myself completely. Mm -hmm. And it's equally as hard for the other gender to do it. And that causes all sorts of problems. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because some, you know, some, somebody can sense somebody doesn't want the truth. So, you know, how, how do you go about that? You know, just if I soften my answer, does it matter? Does it not matter? You know, the, the kind of the little white lie thing, you know, just... <laughs> Or coming back to it later, or the best way to communicate. But yeah, it is. It's really. But yet, you know, to me, if I'm not being honest, I'm, I'm out of integrity with myself, and it's going to cost me in the long run. Maybe it's really uncomfortable right now, but it's going to cost me in the long run for not being honest, for not being in my integrity, for not being in my truth. You know? Yeah. I wonder if that's something that we're all just starting to learn now. I know for me, this is kind of a new idea. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because I think as we're, you know, as time and culture are evolving, you know, we were in such a mass thing, you know, giving the right answer, doing the quote, quote, right thing, rather than being, a, you know, I think it's back to this individuality um, 
being true to who I am and being myself. And if I'm, you know, if I'm my best self, then that's best for the world, you know, rather than trying to fit into this box. Um, so yeah, and just being uncomfortable, being, I guess, you know, and sometimes it is, it is really uncomfortable and being okay with that discomfort because, you know, it's just going to cost you later. Cost us all later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, then it's bigger. And that's the thing I that's for me. And then it's bigger and it's more damage control. Or there's more things to undo or do or, you know, get right where, yeah, I was going to be uncomfortable at this moment, but it actually would have been less, you know, in the long run, it would have been easier. But yeah, it's tough to do. It's tough to do. Interesting. And, you know, sometimes to say these things, in a kind way, in a compassionate way. Yeah. yeah. So now that you have this book in the deck out, are you going to be doing any other projects for Joseph? Um, you know, I've, I've got some mulling around. Um, the one thing is, of course, writing his story. And so I've, I've done a few things around that, you know, different spots in his life where he's told me about that. Um, I also have thought about, you know, really taking the architects out of the deck and kind of doing their story and more around the architects. So there's uh, archetypes. So there's more information with that. And the thing that's been up more now is just writing about the sweet boy and you know, just putting out there, you know, so that um, men and women can relate to that, that men can nurture them and that's their selves and that women can see that in men and nurture that also. I think that would just bring an incredible shift. Just an incredible shift. It would if we could bring ourselves to do it. And that's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. And so that to me is, you know, women encouraging that and women holding space. I know my grandson is really a tender heart and a tender soul and, um, my daughter, my son-in-law really see that and nurture that. And whenever I'm able to witness that, I just, as soon as I can, I just support them and say, I so see what you're doing. I think that's a huge gift for all of you that you're honoring who he is and what he needs and yeah, letting him be him it's really and work through whatever's going on for him, but not diminishing and not telling him that he doesn't feel that way. It's just like, okay, what's going on? Or just, you know, because he's just eight years old right now. And just sometimes, you know, they're just holding him yeah. and letting it pass. And then they talk about it later. Okay, what was upsetting to him? What could have been different? You know, you know, why was it, why, why did it matter to him? Not diminishing, not saying it shouldn't be a big deal, but it's like, okay, it was. And so what, what do you think that's about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. It that. is. Yeah, it is. It is. Because, you know, yeah. You know, my, my son-in-law's got a real openness and sensitivity to him. So, you know, he can relate to when he was a child. And I think that's part of it is what did we didn't, what did we not get that we wish would have been helpful? And bringing that forward, bringing that forward with our children, with, uh, you know, our grandchildren, you know, even strangers, you know, just strangers, sometimes just a smile or a nod or something. Yeah. So, so this has been a pleasure talking with you. Oh yeah. Thank just wonderful. So it's like, I didn't have a agenda because I know these, let the conversation go and go be what it's going to be. Yeah. I never <laughs> plan anything. 
<laughs> um, before we wrap it up, though, where's the best place for my listeners to find you and find your book and your cards? Well, right now I'm on Amazon. The book and cards are on Amazon. I had a problem with my website, so it's down for the moment and stuff. But yeah, we're on Amazon. Pass the Sacred Masculine, the card and the deck are there. All right. Well, I'll put the links to the card and decks in the notes of this episode so my listeners can can check it out. I have them, and they are completely awesome. And thank you for sending them to me. Oh, yeah. I thought it would help for you to see them and know so you didn't have to kind of, you know, in your head try and figure out what I was talking about. <laughs> awesome. And I hope you've worked with the deck. That was one of the really wonderful experiences because, you know, my dad being older and skeptical, but I, they were done before he passed. And so I was with him. It was the last time I was with him. And so he was curious, you know, like, well, what is all this stuff about in a card? And so I said, well, let's do it, Dad. And we did the deck and we pulled the card. And unfortunately, I don't remember exactly what card it was. But I got out the book and I read him the contemplation. He was like, how did you know? How did you do that? And it's like, that's the magic of a card. That's magic is like, you know, you just are drawn to this card and you read the words and you let it speak to you. So, you know, that was incredible that this, this old man could get it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. I really appreciate thank you. it. Thank you. Hang on for one second. And I just have to play the outro. Okay, great. Everything imaginable.